Welcome to the CondoVultures.com podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski, a Miami real estate broker, Wall Street consultant, and expert witness. This podcast is focused on identifying real estate buying opportunities in the South Florida condo market, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. The CondoVultures.com podcast is not authorized by the South Florida real estate industry and will most likely annoy many of the region's talking heads. This podcast will feature straight talk and salty language that could be offensive to some. Please remember that part that past investment success does not determine future gains, especially in the South Florida's volatile condo market. For more information, please visit condovultures.com. Welcome to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zaluski. I'm the host. This is episode number 28 in our podcast series. For this particular episode, we're going to be talking to a real estate broker who's originally from uh, the Detroit area, spent time in Miami during our last real estate cycle where he was selling condo conversions as well as new construction. And ultimately he transitioned over to Panama City, Panama in Central America. He's been living there for about 13 years or so, has a family set up, and basically he works with foreign nationals who are looking for opportunity uh, to invest. What's interesting about Panama, if you don't know this or realize this, is that Panama is a big competitor for Miami in terms of uh, condos. Designs are the same quality, probably similar. A lot of the similar architects uh, uh, look. Uh, the difference is pricing. Pricing is about half the price in Panama as it is in uh, Miami. And real estate taxes are also a lot less. So for this particular discussion, we're going to have Jeff Barton. He's the managing director of Punta Pacifica Realty. Sort of give us a lay of the land. If somebody's interested in investing and they like the idea of Miami, but uh, maybe they're looking for something half the price, obviously that comes with some complications. Uh, because you're in a different country and you're not in the United States. Jeff's going to sort of walk us through it. He'll give us the lay of the land, and um, who knows? Maybe if you're in the market for a condo, maybe Panama just might be uh, someplace for you to consider. Uh, Worst-case scenario, once we can travel again, eh, it might be a place to uh, at least visit. So I think you will enjoy this podcast. Now, if you have any suggestions, you have any comments, you have any criticisms, anything like that, we want to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email at inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. So fasten the seatbelt, sit back, and um, enjoy. Are you a primary user or real estate investor who's in the market for a discounted South Florida condo? Are you searching in the markets of greater downtown Miami, Miami Beach north to Sunny Isles Beach, Hollywood north to Fort Lauderdale, or anywhere else east of I-95 in the Tri-County South Florida region? If so, the buyer brokers at Condo Vultures Realty are here to assist you. Condo Vultures Realty is a licensed Florida brokerage that was established in 2006 to assist educated buyers in identifying, negotiating, and purchasing units at a discounted price. To speak with a buyer broker at Condo Vultures Realty, please call 305-865-5859 or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. Welcome to the Condo Vultures Podcast. This is Peter Zalewski. I am your host. This is episode number 28 in our podcast series. I can't believe it. It's actually the beginning of our fifth month of doing these podcasts. And it's been very uh, inf- very informative, very educational. And I think anybody who's been listening to our podcast up to this point, you're really going to be, um, you're going to learn a lot today. And why is that? Because we're going to focus on Panama. No, 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 no. Not Panama City up there in the... Uh, uh, the Redneck Riviera, if you will. We're going to focus on the country of Panama. We're going to focus on the city of Panama City. You say, Panama, why would I care about Panama? Well, 
reason we want to talk about Panama is that Panama is a competitor for the Miami real estate market. As we all know, the Miami real estate market is oversupplied. Prices are extremely high. And if you are an investor and you're chasing an opportunity, you're not dead set on a particular location because that's what you want. But you're letting your money sort of decide where you should invest because you're looking for a return. Panama is something that needs to be on your uh, radar. Last week, we did Tampa. We did the uh, west coast of Florida. This week, we're going to be focusing on, on Panama. So who do I have for Panama? Who's going to translate, if you will, what's going on in Panama? Well, I got a good Midwest guy myself. I'm a Midwestern as well, originally from Chicago. Um, he was working in Miami during the run-up during our previous cycle. And now he's been in Panama basically for over a decade. He's also done some stints all over the, um, all over the world. We're going to get into all that. But who, who am I talking about? I'm talking about Jeff Barton. Jeff is the managing director of Punta Pacifica Realty down in Panama City. Again, the country, not the city up in northern Florida. Jeff, you still there? I'm sure. I sure am, Peter. Good to be on. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for participating. I think our audience uh, is really going to enjoy some of the insight that you have, and especially as you compare Miami to uh, Panama City. I think it's going to be real uh, informative. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. So, so uh, Jeff, for disclosure, I've been down in Panama. I was down there a few years back. Uh, I spent some time. Uh, I, I rode the subway. Okay. Believe it or not, Panama, <laughs> Panama City's got the only subway in Central America, at least I was told. That is correct. Um, and had an excellent time. One thing I will confess, though, is I would be in Panama City, and at times I thought I was in on Brickell Avenue in Miami. The design, the towers, the density, all of it really sort of reminded me of Miami. You know, and if I had a little bit too much to drink, I basically couldn't figure out one from the other. <laughs> do, do, uh, do you ever get that sensation? Oh, uh, yeah, we get that a lot. And actually, I moved down here from Miami. So, uh, I mean, I've been able to see the, you know, the comparison firsthand. And, uh, you know, people don't realize, you know, when I first heard about Panama, I just thought about the canal and Banana yep. Republic. But uh, yep. uh, the skyline is, is, is really impressive and, and very similar to Miami's and, and some other big cities around the world. That's fantastic. Now, 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 Jeff, um, the way I want to approach this is I want to I want to do three segments with you. Typically, we do them about 20 minutes or so. If we go a little bit longer, I don't think anyone's going to complain. Um, uh, after each segment, I'm going to peddle some services, some of our real estate services, and then we'll bring you back on. So but but from a big picture approach, I want the audience to get an idea of who you are. So we'll start off with the first segment, focus on you, what you do and then how you got to Panama and how you got to Miami. Uh, second segment, we're going to focus on what's going on right now in the Panama City market. And then thirdly, we're going to ask you to pull out your crystal ball and uh, uh, give us a glimpse of what you expect and what you anticipate coming down the pike. All that sound good? Oh, that sounds great. Okay. Now, we do have one rule of engagement. That rule of engagement is we look for straight talk. And if you happen to use salty language, i.e. cursing, we don't have a problem with it. We've got a lot of developers and lenders around here, and chances are they got a worse mouth uh, <laughs> than you'll ever have. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, we'll get into it then. Fantastic. So, 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 Jeff, um, where, where are you originally from, and how did you get to Miami? And then from there, we're going to translate over into uh, uh, how you got down to Panama. Sure. Yeah. So I was I was born and raised in Gross Point, Michigan, which is a suburb from Detroit, and uh, yeah, you know, lived there, grew up there, and I ended up going to university in in Virginia at Washington Lee University, and studied uh, business there, and uh, I've had a family background in real estate on the hotel side, commercial real estate, and always, you know, had a, had a big interest. And literally, oh, interesting. yeah. And, uh, you know, really right after uh, graduation, um, I was hired by a developer in Miami. And I, pretty, I went up to Michigan, packed my bags, and drove all the way down to, to Miami. 
And that must have been a no-brainer. But but let me ask you a question though. Did you did you come down there in the summer or did you come down in the winter? Because if you came down there in the winter, I'm sure he chiseled you down or she chiseled you down on the salary. <laughs> yeah, well, I got chiseled right from the get-go. But hey, I was just happy to be in Miami. <laughs> yeah, I was getting I was looking yeah. at a bunch of places, but that was the only one uh, that really uh, you know that I knew I was gonna take advantage of. So uh yeah, well, yeah, I came down. I think it was it was actually it was like August. So uh it was okay. nice, nice and hot, and uh, but we were doing a, a condo conversion, or he was, he was the developer. Um, like a 500 unit condo conversion there. And I kind of came on as a, uh, as a doing a business internship. I was doing a little bit of property management sales, uh, the financial side and uh, you know, worked there for, uh, for about three years. Um, now, now any chance, any chance you can share with the developer, the development, they give everybody a kind of insight because a lot of our audience and they tend to be from um, uh, Prague to Sydney from uh, Toronto to Buenos Aires, but a lot of them are familiar. They visited, maybe they want to buy here. A anything people might recognize in terms of that kind of conversion to 500 unit? Yeah, it was, well, the developer was, uh, it was called First Equitable Realty. Um, mm -hmm. I think that was the only development they had in Miami. Um, the, the property was called the Grandview Palace. You might know it is right off the JFK Causeway. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, yeah, we were on the, on the Miami Herald after, uh, I think it was Wilma. Yes. We got, uh, I mean, literally, because the, the building's like a U. And yes. uh, when, when it came in, uh, it created a vortex and we, I think we lost 600 windows, but, uh, it was, uh, but it was a great experience besides for that part. <laughs> well, well, you know, you know, it's funny cause you mentioned you, you originally got down to Miami in 04, right? 2004. That's right. Exactly. Okay. okay so to give people context, uh, basically the real estate cycle began in about 2003 in terms of this big run up and developments were going up everywhere. The thing is there was so much demand or at least perceived demand because financing was very uh, easy. So what some developers did, and it sounds like, uh, you know, your, your entree way into Miami, uh, the developer did it. Basically, they were buying rental buildings. They filed some paperwork. Uh, they did some improvements. And lo and behold, virtually overnight, it really took about six months, uh, these developers who had bought uh, apartment buildings, they were able to sell off each individual unit. So your particular project that you were working on, uh, uh, you guys got kind of got uh, caught up or jammed up with all the hurricanes. If anybody remembers back in 04, 05, that's when you had Katrina, you had Wilma, you had a whole series of hurricanes that were just battering uh, the state of Florida. So uh, would that be a fair uh, sort of assessment? Yeah, no, that was exactly right. Yeah, and that yeah, that summer we had we had I don't know five or six, but those were uh, Wilma and yeah, Katrina. Uh, I remember it sank my little boat that I had. I was it was a sad day looking over the marina and seeing that thing. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, now, uh, now, little, little bit of trivia: North Bay Village, and again, the audience—if you don't know where it is—effectively, um, it's 79th Street on the mainland. When you get over to the beach, uh, Miami Beach, it's going to be 71st Street. There, 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 there's a uh, there's a village, there's an island. A series of islands that are all located there called North Bay Village. A lot of the streets are named after the uh, Treasure Island book, the author. So they kind of go with that that um, uh, maritime theme, that pirate theme, if you will. And uh, uh, more more um, uh, newer version is there's a bar there called Happy Storks. I don't know if you, you ever had a chance to visit that, Jeff. I sure did. Yeah, I, I know yeah. that well. <laughs> yeah. So 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 Happy Stork back in the day when you can actually go to bars before COVID um, is it, really a dive bar. That's where everybody would finish up uh, their drinks. You know, I think it closed like five, six a.m. At least yeah. that's what the law says. But um, but uh, uh, they just a movie was just filmed there and it features Snoop Dogg. It features a whole series of really? actors, and, and I'll look up the actor, but I think it's called like M Moon. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll hold up on the on the name of the movie, but I'll get back to you on that. But but that's the basis. It's about somebody who's basically a, a beachcomber who's living in North Bay Village and partying at the uh, the Happy Stork. 
<laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I've been there many times, and yeah, they only fit about 15 people, but it was a it was always a good time late at night. Nice, nice. Now, 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 Jeff, what, what what do you remember about Miami? And you spent about three years, but you spent some uh, four years, but you spent some good times there because that's really when the condo boom was really taken off before it sort of went to shit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, when I got down there, like I said, I was right out of college, so I was I was doing. You know, uh, I was just on the ground. I was doing maintenance. I was doing uh, the property management side. But, you know, sales were, were booming in this complex. I mean, there was 500 units. And, I mean, their sales office was packed. You know, nice. For, for, for a couple of years, it was just, you know, just jam-packed. And they did, they did very well. And, uh, you know, in about 2000, yeah, it was 2006, um, everything slowed down. It, yes. was, uh, it was interesting just to see that, you know, it could be days where no one would even walk in. Yes. And, uh, and then at that point, uh, I got I got approached by who ended up becoming my my mentor Jack Studnicki and he had been in real estate for forty years, and uh, basically offered me a well, he said I'm not offering you a job I'm offering you an opportunity which yes. was about half uh, half of a pay cut, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, ended up uh, he was he was working for ISG uh, International yes. Sales Group he was one of the the directors there and mm-hmm. his cousin his cousin is actually the one of the principals. Yeah. Um, and um, so anyway, and, so and, I, and, and, yeah. and that's Craig, Craig's Nick. Craig. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And now, now, now just a little bit of background. Uh, Craig, Craig uh, runs ISG international sales group. I think they're based out of Aventura. They did a lot of pre-sales. They did some stuff. Uh, more recently, there was a little bit of a parting of the ways between the two principals that were there, but, but Craig's still, um, you know, he, he's still pushing ahead. Still doing a lot of different things. One of the projects he was involved with selling for a time and he might still be doing his Brickell city center. So to give yeah, the sure audience uh, an idea. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So, so yeah. So when I, when I got there, I was, you know, I was thinking about all the sales I was going to make and everything that was going on. And then it was literally at the beginning of 2006 and yeah, things had just kind of uh, slowed down. And, uh, but ISG had just uh, signed a deal to, to launch what, what, what was that point was the Trump ocean club. So that was Donald Trump's first, um, you know, first building really in Latin America. And, uh, so I was, I was, I remember sitting, I was sitting in the, in the sales center, which was a, uh, it was a nice sales center, but right on, right on Collins. And yep. we would have no one coming in to look at buildings in Miami, but yes. I was on the phone all day long uh, with people interested in, in buying in Panama. Nice. And, okay. Okay. So I want, I want to stop you right there. I want to get yeah. the, I want to give the audience, I want to give them some context. So, so, so in 2003, the real estate uh, boom really sort of began in Miami. There wasn't enough products. So rental buildings were purchased. They were converted. They were turned into condos. Pre-sales were going on. People had to put down 20%, 10% at signing, another 10% when the contract went hard, which was like 15 days later. And then basically they would sit back and they'd wait, sort of collect it. Now, what happened is everybody started taking out home equity lines against their property, getting their hands on cash, and they were turning around credit card uh, advances, if you will. And they started putting down this money on these contracts, and then they were flipping contracts. And everybody thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to make 100 grand per door, whatever I can sign up. I can trade my way out of it. By the time it actually comes to fruition, the building's actually done. So uh, uh, my recollection is, and I don't know if you'll agree with it, but in 05 was the peak of activity. That's when you had the guy cleaning the pool or you had somebody who was working in a bakery. They were buying two, three, four, five condos. They were putting the 20% down. They were buying the condos. And it was before the thing really sort of went to shit, which was beginning in 2007. Now, people will say, well, yeah, but Lehman Brothers failed in September of 08. That's when the Great Recession began. No, 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 no. In Miami, it began differently because in 06, pricing had gotten so high that only the suckers were going in. 07, people started, uh, units started to come online. 
people were dumping. And before you know it, by the time Lehman Brothers crashed in 08 and the Great Recession occurred, Miami was already deep into the weeds of uh, effectively a shit show. Um, I don't know if you'd agree, Jeff, but that, that was my oh. recollection of it. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what was going on. And I, I remember being on the, the sales back at the condo conversion building. Yep. Uh, you know, they had the sales sales office and then right across the hall, they had two mortgage brokerage offices. And it was, <laughs> you go in, pick your unit, go over there, get pre-approved, go to the next one, which is the title company, and uh, you're ready to roll because those were, yep. you know, those were finished product. No, 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 no. People might not realize uh, the guy who is the president of the United States, Donald Trump, he actually brought his name down in Miami when he did a project up in Sunny Isles Beach with uh, the Desert family. And what started happening is Miami prices were getting so extreme and Donald Trump was lending his name to particular projects. He wasn't necessarily building them himself. And I don't know what happened in Panama, but he would license out his name and basically he'd come, he'd shake some hands, kiss some babies, collect his fee, <laughs> and they would just sell a project. They ended up doing six towers. What is it? Six, one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. They did six, no, seven uh, towers with a Trump name in South Florida. And because Miami prices was getting so extreme and Donald was playing off of the momentum created from the appraiser and all the TV exposure, then he decided, okay, let me take my hustle down the, down the Panama. So that's my recollection. I don't know if you, you know, if you want to straighten me out if I'm wrong. No, I mean, that's exactly right. He was having, you know, at that time, you know, that was really before all the political stuff. And uh, at that time it was a hot name in real estate. And, yes. you know, they were, they were cranking out sales in, in South Florida. Uh, they were being approached by developers, developers all over the world that wanted to have that same kind of uh, name attached to their buildings. And yeah, he was basically signing. It was, you know, in my opinion, it was like the first real, you know, real estate franchise uh, for residential real estate. And yeah. so uh, you know, true. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so yeah, so he then he launched. Yeah, he had Panama. He had uh, he had in Mexico some some things out in in Asia. A lot of them never actually got built. Uh, but the one in Panama did, but it, it was quite mm-hmm. a quite a roller coaster, which I'll I'll get into. <laughs> nice. Well, and I I will say the the one common denominator in all the Trump projects, whether you like them, you dislike them, whatever the case may be, they always have great dirt. They always are in a great yeah. location. That is correct. Yeah. And uh, so um, yeah, so kind of going back to Miami. So while you know while the sales offices were at that point, you know, just you know just crickets. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, we were getting slammed by, by phone calls. People didn't really realize that I was sitting, sitting in Miami um, and I had never been to Panama in my life. Um, nice. And here you, know, you are selling it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so I, I, I kind of got, uh, I, so I started off with, with ISG and, you know, low, you know, low, uh, low part of the ring. And, um, you know, everyone else had been so used to selling Miami, um, yes. you know, that was working there that it was. It just didn't make sense. Why are they going to start selling Panama? Well, I didn't know much about selling Miami, so I figured I would. And uh, yeah, I remember, you know, I was in my my very early days there, so I was getting paid five hundred dollars a sale, if you can imagine that. Oh and, my uh, God! Listen, uh-huh. listen, you can you can curse on this website, so I'm going to say, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, holy shit is right. And uh, but for me, I mean, I think I made thirty thousand dollars a year before. So when I did sixty sales in my first six months and made thirty thousand, even if it was fifty five hundred dollars a sale, I was. And I was a very happy 23-year-old or 24-year-old. <laughs> L- living, living in Miami at the time, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Living in Miami. Yeah. Now, 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 some people say, yeah, but, you know, that's a, it's, it's, it's okay money in Miami, but if you take it to Panama, it's going to be great money. Thing is, in Panama, they're dollarized, aren't they? Aren't they using the greenback just like we are here in the United yeah, States? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, um, yeah, it's definitely a lot, you know, a lot less expensive down here. Uh, yes. Although, surprisingly, people, it's not as cheap as people would think uh, on the real estate side, but it's uh yeah it's 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 a whole different life but you know, that was just my first month my first six months and then then i was able to get into more of the real money 
Wow. Now, 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 now tell me, how do you, how do you actually get to Panama? How, what, what, what yeah. sort of happens? How, how does it go down? Yeah. So basically in, yeah, in 2006, you know, when, when things had stopped for, you know, for ISG, basically not stopped, but yeah, sales have definitely slowed down. Yeah. Uh, we were, you know, we were kicking ass and we were, you know, we were doing sales over the phone. We were doing, you know, you know, 10, 12 sales a week. Um, wow. People were, you know, people were chasing the Miami dream yes. that was flipping. Yes. So when, you know, when prices, you know, peaked up and they had friends that, you know, had bought in 2004 and now they sold in 2005, you know, they were still trying to find out where could they, where could they, you know, go after that, that dream. Yes. And, you know, when Donald Trump decided to, to, you know, have a building named after him in Panama, people thought, oh, well, Trump is going to Panama. Uh, he probably knows what's going on and let's, let's go there. So I think, I mean, we had a lot of investors from Miami and, you know, investors outside of Miami that were investing in Miami uh, that just kind of followed that down to Panama. Um, and it was a lot of people drinking a lot of Kool-Aid, I have to say, including myself. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Now, yeah. now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the, one of the, the pitches of Panama, besides the Trump brand and the, you know, the name brand recognition, was the fact that this, the government was offering uh, no real estate tax, if memory serves me correct. It, w w w was that the case? And is that still the case? Yeah, so that was a, that was a huge incentive. Um, I mean, the government was very smart about how to attract foreign, foreign investors. And one of the big things they did was they said, uh, you know, we're going to give an exoneration for 20 years on any new construction that people buy. And, you know, so that's that's still valid. Uh, you know, the, like, for example, the, the, the Trump building was delivered in 2011. So anyone mm -hmm. that owns there has until 2031 with no property tax. Wow. And, you know, and that's so that's that is what it is. Um, there are, uh, you know, many other buildings. It wasn't just for for that one uh, that have received the same kind of benefits. But, yeah, people, yeah. you know, looking at carrying costs and saying, hmm. You know, uh, I'm paying whatever it is, a thousand, two thousand a month in carrying costs in, in Miami, and uh, down here it's you know your maintenance fees are a couple hundred bucks, and I have no property tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I want to get all into all that in segment two uh, when we really start to talk about the market. But uh, go, yeah. going back to you now, so yeah. you've actually been living in in Panama City, which is on the effectively the south side of the island. Because the island runs east, or not the island, but the isthmus. The isthmus. isthmus. Yes. Yeah. So you're effectively on the south, and then on the north is Cologne, uh, which basically uh, 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 fronts the caravan, correct? It, that's correct. Yeah. Panama, you know, it runs basically horizontal. It's like, uh, it's kind of like an upside down U. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and so you've got, and the canal goes basically north and south. And yep. Panama City's on one end, and the other end is, is Cologne. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, Panama City, you know, there's, in Panama, there are, you know, 4 million people and about half of them live right there in the city. Wow. Wow. Now, yeah. now I remember a few years back when um, uh, the Panama Canal was obviously handed over by the U.S. government, given to the Panama, uh, uh, Panamanian government. Uh, they did an expansion. They did a whole variety of things. And I remember there was some privatization that was going on in terms of who was going to operate um, uh, uh, the ports, if you will, on, on the on, in Cologne, which, again, is the Caribbean, as well as Panama City, which is on the on the Pacific. And if memory serves me correct, wasn't the Chinese companies that ultimately took control? And is that still um, the case, or do you have any yeah, idea? The, yeah, but, you know, the Chinese companies have come in. Uh, there's the I think it's the uh, China Port Authority, or um, but yeah, there's been there's been some interesting uh, political maneuvering, kind of geopolitical maneuvering uh, down here as a result of the canal. Yeah, and, um, and yeah, you know, China has built and funded some of the some of the ports. The U.S. Uh, didn't really like that. Uh, yes. So when we get when we get to the next segment, I'll tell you a, kind of a funny story. Nice. Uh, about a U.S. submarine coming into the Panama Canal when when some Chinese people were there, but <laughs> nice. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get into that. Yeah. So yeah. so 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 here you are. You get you 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 got a Midwest guy. Um, 
spent time in Miami, uh, uh, living in Panama. First thing people might want to know if they haven't been there. And I would encourage them to check it out because it will blow your mind. Again, they got a subway in Central America. So, you know, that's testament enough. Um, what, what, the, talk about the lifestyle. How, what, what's it like living there? Um, say you want to go back to Michigan, you want to come to Miami, you want to do any of that type of stuff. How difficult is it? What's like the cost of living? Can you just sort of set the scene? Like if you were, you know, talking to a family member in terms of, uh, and they're saying, you know, I might want to check out Panama. Why should I go? Could, could you sort of give uh, people some in- insight? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Panama is, so Panama city is, is very metropolitan. Um, and over, you know, since I first got there when I, I flew down in 2006, but I moved in 2007 and uh, the contrast, you know, over those, I guess, 13, 14 years has been phenomenal. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's very metropolitan at the moment now. Lots of nice restaurants, uh, places to go out. There's, a, there's an old town called Casco Viejo, which is a World Heritage Site. And it's filled with, uh, you know, uh, re- rehab buildings from the early 1900s. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, geographically, you know, you can get to Miami and you're in Miami in two and a half hours. Uh, you know, the flight's two and a half to three hours. Uh, you can be... You know, there's flights all throughout the through the U.S., Houston, New York, uh, L.A., San Francisco, Denver, uh, you know, just all, all throughout. And then also, you know, being able to get to the Caribbean and in Latin America uh, easily as well. So it's a nice hub. Yeah. And, and Copa is the, main, the uh, that's the main carrier out of Panama, isn't it? Is it yeah, that's the main carrier. But, yeah, almost all the American ones fly through here as well. Uh, American as well. Okay. And, and in terms of, um, I don't want to get into the real estate side. We'll do that in segment two, but uh, you know, let, let's compare and contrast Miami to Panama, uh, Panama city. And when I say Panama, Panama, I'm basically referring to the city. Um, so, so before COVID uh, to get a drink in Miami, probably cost you 12 bucks, maybe 15 bucks uh, 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 to get a dish, you know, at a restaurant, maybe you're looking at 15, 20, $25, just, you know, not something rock star, but something, you know, that the local would go do. What, what kind of pricing you got on, uh, say, alcohol, a drink at a club or a bar? And then what, what, what about a meal somewhere in, in yeah. Panama? So, you know, there's, since there's kind of been this resurgence of, of bars and restaurants internationally, I mean, you'll find places with those same prices. Um, okay. You know, and you also find places where you get a $2 beer. Nice. And, uh, and a nice, you know, a nice ceviche and, you know, you're, you know, you're having a, a meal with your with your wife for you know twenty dollars and, and some nice drinks. So, it kind of runs the gamut. Um, definitely, uh, on the high end, there didn't used to be a high end. There was just you know you had what I just kind of described. But now there are you know real fancy, nice Michelin type restaurants, and and they're charging really? the top dollar. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but for the most part, things are less expensive. Uh, labor is much is much lower. Uh, you can have a you know live in uh, housekeeper for five hundred dollars a month. You can have nice. a driver for about $500 a month, um, you know, nannies, same thing. Um, so you can, you can live a very, very nice life here, um, you know, with, with probably half of what it would be in living the same kind of life in, in Miami or some other city. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and to me, the thing that struck me about Panama, uh, much like Chile, is the infrastructure. I mean, because the United States or maybe, more, you know, the U.S. military was there for so long. And I'm sure they still have a presence there. The infrastructure was really far superior to uh, many any other place I've been in Costa Rica. And I've been to Guatemala. Uh, I mean, in Central America, I've been to Costa Rica. I've been to Guatemala. I've been in uh, you know, southern Mexico, things like that. But, but Panama stood out simply for infrastructure. I don't know if it's still like that or if you would agree or disagree. Oh, I'd agree. I've been to most, you know, most of the cities in Central America. I mean, and there's not even a comparison. Um, no, there are definitely other places in Central America with, you know, beautiful beaches and great you know, tropical landscaping, but in terms of a, a capital city, I mean, it's not even close. Uh, Panama City is on a whole different level, and 
And yeah, I, I love living here. Like I said, I've been here for 13 years now. Yeah. Now, now, now some people might say, j- j- just real basic, um, uh, just to give them some insight. Uh, you want to take an Uber ride? What does a typical Uber ride cost? Assuming in Miami, it's probably, uh, you know, 10 to 15 bucks. If you pull it, it's like seven bucks. What do you think an Uber ride is in uh, Panama? Just just running around somewhere. Not, yeah, not, just running around. You're, you're talking yeah. like three to five dollars. Uh, okay. Taxi taxi is two dollars unless you're you know going someplace pretty far, but it's pretty standard. Two dollars here, three dollars there. So it's yeah, that is uh, definitely lower. Okay, you can, get, and... you can get the airport for eleven dollars an Uber. Nice, nice, nice. And then um, you know the Economist uses the Big Mac uh, factor or index. What about a Big Mac? How much is a Big Mac going for in uh, Panama City? A now, Big not Mac. Should, not that you should be <laughs> eating it, but exactly. I, I think a big, a big Mac, a Big Mac meal is probably around five, or maybe yeah, probably four, four something, but uh, around the five mark. Yeah, in a Starbucks, I'm assuming there's Starbucks there. Yeah, there. There are, um, I was just reading about that. I think there's 13 Starbucks uh, throughout Panama City. And honestly, I don't know. I don't, I don't go to Starbucks. I don't know. Um, but I would, yeah, I would say it's, it's probably fairly similar for Starbucks. So, so, so I, I guess, and I guess probably the, uh, the, the final question kind of compare and contrasting. I went down there and my, my Spanish, I would say is, eh, I'm not going to say it's great. Um, you know, I understand quite a bit when I go to speak, nobody understands what the hell I'm saying because my pronunciation uh, maybe because it's my Midwest accent. Do you need Spanish to operate and to do business in, in Panama? I mean, um, you know, you're, you're the best person to ask because you're there. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you don't, you do not need it. Uh, when I came down, you know, I came born and raised in, in Michigan. I, I remember I did take one year of Spanish in, in college. Yeah. Remember after that final exam, closing the book and saying, throwing it in the garbage and saying, I'm never going to use this. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I think that was my freshman year and then ended up going to Miami, picked up a little bit. And, uh, but, um, but no, I have a lot of friends, people that are, you know, that are down here that uh, don't speak, really speak any Spanish. I do now I'm fluent. Um, you know, I have a, I have a Colombian wife and, a nice, and my, and a little, uh, one and a half year old baby boy. And there's a lot of Spanish in the house. And, uh, but you just kind of, once you're immersed in it, it you kind of pick it up is what I've seen, unless you yeah. really don't want to, um, but you don't. No, you don't need it. You don't need it. It's uh, it's something that's a benefit, but uh, you can get by for sure without it. Do, do you think I'd be often saying that Panama City is much like living in Miami? Obviously, there's much more Spanish than you're going to find in Miami, but Miami's got a hell of a lot of Spanish. In, but, but cost, feel, uh, services, internet, all that type of stuff. Is that a fair comparison? Yeah, it is. I mean, Miami is Miami. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, you know, I'm not trying to compare the two in that, to that degree, but, uh, yes. but for sure, I felt very, uh, you know, I felt very comfortable here. Uh, I loved Miami. I love it here. I've never had any safety issue. I've never, I don't know anyone that's ever had a, ever had an issue, uh, walk around anywhere you want Rolex on. And, um, now sure things happen, but it's, uh, you definitely don't have any sort of any feeling that you're in a third world country. And, and the reality is Panama city is, it's pretty, pretty damn close to the first world now. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. From what I remember now, 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 Jeff, before we take our commercial break, um, maybe some people get on the plane, they decide to go down there. Uh, they're going to look you up. Um, uh, two things, a, uh, what's a good restaurant you could recommend, uh, someplace that's a, a go-to for you. And then B, how do they, how do they reach out? How do they get a hold of you? If maybe they're listening to this podcast, they're in Hong Kong or they're in, uh, you know, they're in Prague. Uh, I, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, so, so if yeah. you want to take those two, sure. Well, I'll start with yeah. One of my favorite restaurants is actually called uh, Beirut, and uh, it's right right in the downtown area. And they have uh, amazing Lebanese food. It's got an indoor outdoor um, eating area, and they've got live shows. And and that's that's definitely a, a good place I recommend. Nice. And, um, yeah, and to and to get in touch with me, uh, probably easiest is email. 
Um, and then I can give my, my phone number as well. But email would be uh, Jeff, J-E-F-F, -F, at Punta Pacifica Realty. So that would be Punta, P-U-N-T-A, Pacifica, P-A-C-I-F-I-C-A, -I -I Realty, R-E-A-L-T-Y. And, uh, and also, uh, my number is uh, country code 507-6673-7810. That's 507-6673-7810. And what I'm going to do, uh, audience, is I'm going to link um, uh, Jeff's uh, company and everything else in the description of the podcast. So you'll be able to pick it up there as well. So, And, and Jeff, you obviously you use WhatsApp and use some of those. Uh, yeah, like exactly. For sure. Okay. So yeah, I'm easy to get, get in touch with. All right. Fantastic. So um, we're going to take our first break. You listen to the Kind of Vultures podcast. On the other side of the break, we're going to ask Jeff to sort of give us an update as to what's going on in the market. He's going to talk about pricing. He's going to talk about the expense. He's going to talk about everything else related to the Panama market. So stay tuned. Don't buy a South Florida condo discounted or distressed before taking a Condo Vultures correction tour. CondoVultures.com offers weekly bus and walking tours that focus on educating buyers on the how-tos of identifying discounted condos, analyzing the opportunities, and purchasing units. Every tour attendee receives a list of all condo projects in a particular market, a market assessment handout, and unmatched expert analysis. For more information on the condo correction tours, please visit condovultures.eventbrite.com or call 305-865-5859. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm the host. We're having a conversation about the Panama market. Now, I'm talking about the country, the isthmus, and I can never say it, basically separating the Caribbean uh, Sea from the Pacific Ocean. And who am I talking to? I'm talking to Jeff Barton. Jeff is originally from Michigan, spent some time in Miami, party like a rock star. At least I'm guessing he didn't say that. Was selling real estate, headed down to Panama, was working on a whole variety of projects, and now he's been there somewhere north of a decade He's got a family. He basically understands it, and he's fluent in Spanish. So, you know, maybe somebody like me who's been studying it forever, maybe one day we'll pick it up. So, Jeff, I still got you. I, I didn't lose I'm, you, right? I'm here. No, no, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Now, now, Jeff, one of the things that's going on in Miami and in South Florida is we're getting ravaged by COVID. COVID is just like, uh, you know, there was somebody uh, with the, uh, the, the hospitals uh, down here in Miami, the medical industry, that compared Miami to Wuhan, which is where – the source Oof. of the whole COVID-19 began. Um, can, can you give us a state of the market? What's going on in Panama? Anything going on in terms of, is there a lockdown? Uh, are people interacting? I mean, just a glimpse, a synopsis, sure. if you will. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, we are in a full lockdown. Um, it's been, uh, I think, one of the strictest lockdowns anywhere. And the airport has been shut down since March. So uh, that's definitely an impact on you know on everything. Uh, yes. We have... Uh, and interesting, what the government decided to do is separate men and women. So on basically on Mondays and Wednesdays, women are allowed to go out. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, men are. And then some weekends we can all go out and some we can't. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been a, <laughs> quite, a, quite a strange experience indeed. Oh, I can imagine. My gosh. And uh, any idea in terms of what, what are they saying in terms of how contagious it is? How many people have been confirmed or how many deaths? Do you, do you have any kind of ballpark numbers? Keeping in mind that in Florida, you're looking at about 492,000 confirmed cases and about just about 7,300 deaths or so. But about 45% of all of that activity is going on in Miami, Dade, Broward, Palm Beach counties, which make up South Florida. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, our numbers are, are thankfully not not like that. Um, but we're still, you know, we're still pretty high for a for a small country. I think we're when I last checked, we were we had broken sixty thousand cases. 
Wow. And I, and I think the, uh, I think the death toll was approaching 400. It's, it's been about 25 a day for at least the last few weeks. Wow. 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 Well, and you, your family, your friends, everybody so far so good. Everybody so far so good. Yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're all doing fine and you know, we're just trying to keep, keep things moving forward. Yeah. 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 Now, now, now Jeff, can you, can you tell the audience a little bit about uh, your company, what your specialties are, get into some of the nuts and bolts, keeping in mind, everybody listening to this podcast, they probably have a very high level of understanding of real estate. So you can get inside baseball, if you will, you don't have to just gloss over if, if you want. So sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So my, my company, which is Punta Pacifica Realty, uh, we are, uh, yeah, we're full brokerage, um, uh, also master brokerage with developers down here. And we're also the largest property management uh, company in the country. And uh, we got started, uh, as I was mentioning before, I came down to launch the, the Trump Ocean Club and uh, was, you know, that, that was going very well. And until things kind of slowed down and uh, there was a, in 2008, there was a, a Bear Stearns bond offering, uh, which to do the construction for the building, which two months later, Bear Stearns went under. And oh. uh, yeah, so uh, we had, you know, we had a lot of sales. We had a lot of people that were buying in Panama that really actually had never been to Panama. Uh, was, we're not expecting to close on their properties. And, you know, we're just kind of chasing the, this idea of, of flipping and prices, prices going up. And uh, as a result, uh, when the building did finally get delivered after going through um, <laughs> defaults and, and all sorts of interesting stories uh, that would probably take another whole another podcast, um, yes. you know, we had hundreds of owners that didn't speak Spanish, didn't know how to even close on their property, wasn't, weren't sure how to get title, didn't know what to do with it. And uh, we, we ended up you know, starting up the company to, at that point to really help them uh, take possession of their properties, uh, get them furnished, get them rented, get them cash flowing, um, because most of our, our client base are, are pure investors. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's kind of how everything started. And you know, there were several years where there, weren't, there wasn't a lot of sales activity. You know, Panama kind of has followed Miami by about a 12 to you know, 18 month uh, lag time in terms okay. of people buying in Miami and prices going up and it being hot. And then when they start looking at other places, Panama starts to kick in. Um, but also vice versa, when Miami's, you know, booming, people aren't looking at Panama too much. Got it. So, Got it. Now, now, I want, now I want to, I want to, I want to stop you right there, Jeff. Um, so you, you mentioned Bear Stearns. Just, the, just, just for clarification, I think Bear Stearns actually got acquired where Lehman Brothers is the one that failed. So when, when you said that, when you said Bear Stearns went under, uh, I, you, you were just talking about an acquisition, right? By yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah okay. you're right. I think okay. that was in March of 2008. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. I just wanted to, because I remember they bailed out Bear Stearns where they forced a sale versus that's Lehman. Right, the uh, they, yeah, they, they basically let them die. So I just wanted to clarify that. Now, now go, going back to your property management. So, so th these buyers, where were these buyers coming from who basically had to take title to properties and then they didn't know what the hell they were going to do with it? Where, they were from the United States. They were from, they were from Canada. They were from the UK. Where, where were they coming from? Yeah, we had, um, I'd say about 50% of the buyers came from, from North America, from, uh, from the U.S. and Canada. Yep. And you know, mostly from the major, major cities, metropolitan areas. Uh, but, you know, just, you know, they were, for the most part, savvy real estate investors that were looking for other places to diversify. Mm -hmm. uh, we, had, we had about 25% uh, from South America, primarily Colombia and Venezuela. And, uh, uh, but we still had, you know, we had others all throughout the rest of South America, but those were the main two countries. And then in Europe, uh, we had uh, a good number of buyers from Italy, Spain, the U.K., um, so there's uh, yeah, there was a pretty, pretty interesting mix. 
Wow. Now, now in Panama, do you actually have to get a real estate license? Because I know there's certain places in the uh, Latin America and the Caribbean where no license is required. Is there a real estate license required in Panama? Uh, yeah, there is a real estate license required. Um, it's a little bit different. I mean, I still hold my, my Florida real estate license um, and the Panama rules are a little bit different. But yeah, you do have to get a real estate license. You don't necessarily have to. Uh, you, can, you can be hung under someone else's license, but it's a little more lax down here. But uh, But yeah, you do have to have one. Got it. Now, now, anybody who might be listening and they say, you know what, I got a friend who might want to go down there and buy. Um, uh, do, do you guys pay referrals? So if we someone do. were to, uh, and, the, and the person referring, do they have to be licensed? Obviously, if it's required in the United States, that's one thing. But may, maybe they're in a different country where there is no real estate license. Uh, does that factor in where you guys can pay a referral maybe? No, yeah, we can. Yeah, there can still be referrals paid out, and uh, and we, I mean, when we were really in the, the heyday with uh, with you know, pre-construction down here, yep. I mean, literally there were millions and millions and millions of dollars paid out in in referrals or in commissions to yep. uh, licensed uh, people throughout the U.S. and the rest of the world, um, and a lot of those times, all they were doing was setting up websites, capturing leads, and just sending them down here and collecting the check. Which effectively, I I have some friends. That's what they did. They were based mm-hmm. out of Miami. They set up a website. They were they were doing it. Uh, one of the issues they ran into is uh, the the deals that they actually had going. They couldn't actually collect the commission because the developer didn't want to pay when the market went sideways. <laughs> well, that that yeah, that happened. Um, yeah, and also you know a lot of these uh, these sales you know never actually closed. So you had uh, developers fighting because they paid out partial commissions and then the buyers didn't close. So yeah, it was quite messy. Now 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 they resolved a lot of things after the uh, the Great Recession. Here in Florida, in terms of contracts and, and other things, uh, how would you say the process is? If somebody's looking to maybe go down to Panama and they want to buy, has ha, that uh, you know the growing pains have that been cleaned up? Where there's some transparency and there's predictability in terms of the whole process of purchasing real estate, especially as a foreign a foreign national. Well, I, I wish I could say it's, it had been cleaned up. I mean, it's there just isn't a lot of transparency. Um, so it's really important to, to be with someone that you know does have data and, and that is you know does have a good reputation because you really you know there's an MLS, but it's not very widely used. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know there's no there's no Zillow, there's no you know there's no condo vultures. Um, <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's you know, and a lot of the developers keep their sales data very you know close knit. Yes. So you know there just really isn't any sort of you know, real resource where you could go and get, you know, public, public information. So it's important to, yeah, to be with somebody that um, has been through it, has contracts, knows what has their, you know, finger on the pulse and, uh, and you know, can be done. And, and, and big picture wise now, when, when you, do you actually take title to real estate in uh, Panama or do you have to run it through a corporation and you own the corporation? What, what's that structure like? Assuming somebody's in Miami or somebody's in the United States and they want to go and they want to buy a unit and they want to use you, what, 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 could, could you give insight on that? Sure. Yeah. And it's a very simple process. It's fully, um, I mean, almost everything in Panama is, is you know, fee simple, fully titled. Okay. And, um, and no, you don't have to do anything out of the ordinary. You don't have to get any sort of, you know, permission or license. You just, uh, you know, it, the process is straightforward. Uh, you can get bank financing. It's a little complicated, though, uh, as a foreigner, but you can. Um, but okay. for the most part, you come down, you, you know, you either find the pre-construction property you like or the condo that's existing, and mm-hmm. you, go into a, you go into contract. And uh, depending if you're going to use an escrow or a lawyer or a, or a bank, uh, you, know, you, you do a safe transaction and, and it's done. Got it. Got it. Got it. And it, there is, there's title insurance. I mean, there's um, all the basics that you would find in the United States. You know, there, there's not title insurance. The, so the, the Panamanian uh, public registry is what it's called. Yep. It's kind of like its own built-in government title insurance agency. Oh, it and, sounds like blockchain. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, sort of, uh, although a lot, lot slower, but, uh, yeah. 
it uh <laughs> so basically the yeah it all goes through the so i mean there is there are there are some title companies but they're really not too relevant um for the way the process works down here but yeah. uh but, yeah but it's all it's all, it's public in that sense of if there's any liens if there's any third parties involved and when the transfer titles got it got it got it and then in terms of somebody who's been living down there for a while from a banking perspective how um how convenient is the banking system and how reliable i mean you know can you keep all your money there is it any kind of fdic backing like you would have in the united states something that would be comparable or similar or, or what can you say about banking in general? Yeah, so there is no FDIC. Uh, there are, you know, 100 plus banks. It's really the, it's the financial, you know, center of Latin America. Uh, yes. Uh, but, you know, especially Americans, it is difficult. Uh, you know, banks overseas, you know, you know, there's a lot of compliance. So you can come down, you can open an account, um, but it's not, you know, the uh, the heyday of Panama or what the stories of people, I'm sure, remember and think about when think about Panama. Um, have have really changed and it's very strict. They do a lot of uh, due diligence and um, so you can get a bank account, but it's not just walk in and here's a here's a briefcase. <laughs> got it, got it. And and most most of your clients you have that might be coming from the United States or North America, um, are they typically getting funded by a, a bank that might be based in North America, or is there some sort of affiliation where a bank in North America is dealing with a bank in Panama and that's how something is getting funded if financing is required? You know, interestingly, uh, I would say about 75 to 80% of our sales are without any sort of bank financing. Oh, cash and, deals. Wow. Yeah, uh, almost yeah, almost all, especially in, in the market we, we focus on, which is luxury, uh, almost yes. all cash deals. So uh, you can, you know, people, some do, some people from the States will get, you know, home equity loans or, or things like that. But for the most part, uh, yeah, they're just coming in and, and doing wire transfers. And, and then in terms of uh, build out, when you, um, when, when you buy a unit, uh, let's call it pre-construction, is a unit delivered where you can turn around and move in, basically bring your toothbrush, or is it more Miami style where they only put flooring in and the bathroom and maybe the kitchen, and you you know you got a ton of work ahead of you as a pre-construction buyer? Yeah, that is that, that's kind of the the pro quo for developers here as well. Although they're starting to transition off of that because, uh, yeah, if their investor base or buyer base is outside of Panama, people are coming down here and you know they don't have you know, three months to get the place ready and they want to come down and start using it. So you're seeing more and more developers now uh, offering turnkey, you know, even furniture and artwork and rugs and everything. Yeah. 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 Now, now obviously the situation is going to be different for every particular building. Uh, but it, uh, how, how rent friendly are these buildings? So if you are somebody say you're in Toronto, you want to buy a unit and turn around, rent it out. I mean, can you do Airbnb? Do you have to rent it once per year or once per three years? Could, could you give any kind of general uh, in, insight about that? Yeah. So in general, there's actually a law in Panama City, which says a minimum rental is 45 days. Wow. Um, so there was there was a, you know, the huge, there was a big overbuilding of, of hotels here in Panama. Yes. Uh, at one point, I think in 2009, when uh, they were sending me out to Dubai and all these other places, Panama nice. actually had, had the second highest hotel uh, occupancy rate in the world. Uh, I think behind, strangely, Perth, Australia. But uh, interesting. Yeah. So then what the developers do, they came in and uh, started building the hell out of hotels. And now uh, now occupancy is very, you know, very low, 20, 30 percent. You can you know, you can get into a nice hotel for in a lot of cases under one hundred dollars a night. OK. OK. And so so if somebody does buy that, does that strategy? Of, hey, I'm going to buy a unit. I'm going to let it appreciate. I'm going to rent it out as I go. I, how well does that strategy work? And if I'm renting it. Who am I renting it to? Am I renting it to somebody who works for the government or a foreign national uh, who might be based on there or who, who potentially would be my tenant? 
Yeah, so for the most part, you know, and as I mentioned, we have a property management division. Um, we, we manage, uh, I don't know, 300 and, and change apartments. Nice. And, you know, we focus on the luxury sector. And most of the, most of the tenants are, are multinational, um, either executives or, or different types of employees. There's a lot of multinationals down here. Um, mm -hmm. Procter, Procter & Gamble, uh, Bayer, Caterpillar, the list goes on. And, yes. you know, these people are from everywhere else besides Panama. And they get down here with a nice budget. And they're looking for, you know, a comfortable place to be for a few years. So that's, that's really the target um, for, you know, for the luxury high-end market. And, uh, and there's good demand. I mean, it's, it's gone in waves. Um, but, you know, for the most part, if, you're, uh, if you have your place put, you know, put together nicely, you should be 30 to 45 days, you should have it rented pretty quickly. Got it, got it, got it. And, and when somebody signs a lease down, I mean, did they sign a lease? Yeah. Is it month to month? How, how does that work? And what's the typical lease yeah. duration? Yeah, the, the standard would be a year. Um, okay. you've, you know, you've got some that are two years, some that are six months. Most people don't really like to go less than six months. And uh -huh. uh, yeah, no, it's long-term, you know, everything, everything pretty much that we get involved in is, it's just, yeah, long-term rentals. And a lot of times people are there for several years and, uh, yeah, a lot of investors that are just, you know, uh, they bought the place and just being taken care of. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, now, um, in terms of a place, so can, can you walk me through a scenario? What is a, um, oh, I guess first and foremost, you guys do a lot of luxury. How do you guys, how do you define luxury? In Miami, I would tell you, everybody says our luxury, but for us, we say if it's a million dollars or more, we just use an economic, we, we use a number to the, the differentiate luxury from something that's not luxury. Uh, so what, what, what is luxury for you? Yeah, for me, I mean, here in Panama, there are, uh, there are more, you know, brands that have come in and really, you know, the, the, the Trump Ocean Club was the first one. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Philip Stark uh, did a uh, U property here. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, you've got a, you've got an, like a Fendi, a Fendi Casa building that's coming up now. There's an Armani building, uh, the Ritz-Carlton Reserve. Um, and another interesting project they have, uh, which is really stands out, it's similar to Fisher Island. It's called Ocean, the Ocean Reef Islands. And, okay. uh, and they're being, they're being built or they, they were built and they're uh, now they're being built out with, with homes and, and luxury condos that are, you know, starting normally around a million up to three and a half million. And wow. uh, it's, it's a private Island, two private islands, right, right in the heart of Panama city, right in the Panama city Bay. And yeah. uh, so, you know, the, the million dollar plus market doesn't necessarily categorize luxury because you have, uh, you know, you have some, some nice, very, you know, nice finishes uh, that are you know, starting in the 300,000 range, for example. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So, so let, let's just say um, somebody wants to buy a one bed, one bath. Just, just walk me through a scenario, um, you know, just something so they can run a performer in their head, if you will. Um, say it's new. Uh, they're going to buy pre-construction. Uh, what, what are they looking at uh, per door? What are they looking at uh, per, per square foot? For something that would say doesn't have to be the best, uh, but it has to be average to above average. Yeah, average to above average. I would say, you know, per door probably two hundred and fifty thousand, maybe two twenty to two fifty would be average. Okay. Uh, in terms of you know the actual apartment cost, and you're looking at, you know, about about yeah about two hundred and twenty dollars a square foot. Um, <laughs> two hundred and twenty bucks a foot. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that would be, it'd be like a nice, yeah, nice, nice average, uh, average place. Yeah. Okay. And just, just to give you context during this boom that we just under, um, experienced in Miami before it all went sideways, they were starting at 600 a foot and you had guys pushing, somebody tried to push 6,000 a foot over Miami beach, a project called Faina house just wow. for context audience. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're talking to, let's call it, can we say 225 just for a conversation? Yeah. Let's, let's say that. Yeah. All right. So, so, 
And your typical one bed is about how much, how many square feet, and what is the typical two bed in terms of square footage ballpark? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so the one the one bed would be about a thousand square feet. Uh, one thing wow. that's different different in in Panama though is they include the balcony in the total square footage. So yeah. and normally there's big balconies because you're on the water. So you probably shrink that down to you know eight hundred or so, uh, eight hundred and change if you're kind of comparing apples to apples with interior. Okay. Um, okay. And then two so, bedrooms. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. So about 800 square feet plus another 200 square feet or so for balcony. Okay. On a one bed. Exactly. And then two bedrooms, you're, you're probably looking at interior 1300 uh, square feet and maybe another couple hundred uh, on the balcony to get around like 1500 average. Got it. Now, now I've, I've, I've traveled a lot and some of the places I go to, there's, there, there's like a maid's quarters that's like built in. Is, is that the way they do it with the condos in Panama or is Panama more traditional? Uh, or, or much more like Miami, where there is no maid's quarters area. So the, the traditional condos in, in Panama um, all have maid's quarters. They do, and, okay. Yeah, you know, in, in Panama City, you don't, you don't see very many single-family homes, standalone homes. So uh-huh. you have, in the, in the heart, you have, you've got these massive condos. I mean, they're uh, 4,000, 5,000, 8,000 square foot condos um, with, yeah, sometimes they have two maid's quarters. Sometimes they even have a chauffeur's quarter. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, got uh, it. So yeah, so that that's pretty that's pretty pretty standard. Standard. So so when you're talking about the two hundred and twenty, um, two hundred twenty five dollars a foot, uh, that that'll include by paying for the maid's quarters as well as the balcony. That's correct. Yeah, they yeah okay. they consider that they wrap it all together. Okay. Now now what what is what what's the maintenance? What, what what's the carry, um, if you will, on you know say say the one bed just just to keep it easy. Again, it's about eight hundred square feet. Um, uh, a thousand square feet. If you include the balcony, uh, it's going to have a maid's quarters in there. Uh, you're looking at about two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. What, what would the carry be per month in terms of uh, condo association fees or any other fees, uh, and then plus uh, plus property tax if there are any? Right. Yeah. So the, I mean, the carry on a, on a one bedroom like that, you're you know for a for a nice you know nice building, but nothing you know not the top of the top. But you're probably looking at you know per month one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy-five dollars a month. <laughs> and and uh, you know that'll that'll give you you know you're gonna have a nice you're, not, you're gonna have a small but nice gym you know yep. pool area in a, in a nice lobby and uh, you know you'll probably be near close to the water uh, now and then one of the great things is the you know the, the property taxes if you if you get into a building that was under the exemption you don't have property taxes until ranging from you know 2030 to 2031 or 32 so uh, you probably have another 10 years without paying property tax. So, so, so the government has basically, it, it, was, it was a moment in time they were incentivizing developers to build and buyers to buy, and now they haven't reintroduced it, uh, n- not even on a, a case-by-case basis, on the property they, tax they, exemption? They haven't, but there, there is talks about it. You know, obviously, with COVID going on, everything has slowed down, and they're looking at different yeah. ways. So I'm, I'm hoping that will be the one, one of the things that they reintroduced because, yeah, I mean, with the carrying costs so low, and uh, you know, one of the main reasons why the maintenance fees, for example, are so low is because Panama has never had a hurricane in the history of recording hurricanes. Wow. And, and as, as we know, uh, you know, a lot of coastal cities uh, do. And yes. that's the, one of the main components of the HOA is the insurance cost. Yes. Um, so yeah. with taking that out, it just drops everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what would you say the HOA would work out to on that 800 square foot place, which also has the, uh, you know, 200 square foot balcony? What, what did you say? Was it like $125 yeah. a month? 150? Yeah, 125 150 uh, in a, you know, in like a top building, you're looking at 300 but, uh, Got it. but yeah, but on average, yeah, I'd say 150 or so. 
Okay. And then, and then in terms of the property taxes, if you, if you weren't fortunate enough to go into a building that has that exemption through 2031 or so, uh, how do property taxes work uh, for somebody owning a condo in Panama? Yeah, they have a sliding scale, so it's a little bit, a little difficult to explain, but I would say, you know, if, if, I, if you're going to say a $300,000 property, you're probably looking at about $1,200 uh, a year in, uh, in property tax. And okay. as you, as you go up, uh, into higher, you know, 500, 800, uh, then it proportionally gets higher. Um, but yeah. even I think, I think $800,000 property, you're, you're a little under 3000 a year. Okay. So, so, I mean, realistically, somebody could go down there, they could pick off a unit. Um, I, 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 how much would they, how much could you rent that unit for? Say, say you're able to get somebody from a multinational firm. Uh, you know, you, you got the 800 square foot place, 100, uh, 200 square foot balcony, um, you pay $225,000 for it. How much do you think you can rent that thing out for uh, per month? You're, you're in that out for probably $1,200 all day, all day long. Wow. So you're, you're net positive. No, no question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the rule of thumb, you know, is, is probably 5%, uh, you know, cash on cash ROI. Wow. Uh, you know, after taking out the expenses and, you know, we probably have a property management fee and, yep. and, and everything. Some are four, some are six, but kind of on average, you're kind of targeting 5%. 5% on the property or on your return on, that on your return. Internet. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, now if somebody, if somebody went forward, they, they, they gave you a call. They said, Hey, Jeff, I want to come down. We're going to go to Beirut. We're going to have some lunch. We're going to talk <laughs> about it. I want to see one of these units you were discussing. They go ahead, they buy it. How does it work in terms of you helping them say they're living in Toronto? What, 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 uh, what, what kind of services do you offer there? How much do you charge? Uh, can you give people some, some insight? Yeah, of course. So in, in, in our case in particular, you know, we really try to be full turnkey real estate shop and we, you know, we work with specifically with foreign investors. So we try to make it as smooth as possible. Um, you know, we, you know, we'd be helping them probably before they got down here, uh, mm -hmm. you know, look, look through the internet, look through different options, educate them on, on what they were going to see. Yeah. Uh, then I'd have one of, uh, one of our you know, team of agents. We've got about uh, 40 people in the company, uh, you know, probably pick them up from the airport, uh, get it. them set up in their hotel uh, give them pointers, restaurants, and then, you know, probably a day or two of just full uh, viewings, you know, going to see the different areas, see what properties they like, see the differences, why are some prices half as much as the other. Yeah. Um, and, you know, assuming that they, uh, you know, want to move forward to something on that trip, then, you know, we get them set up. Uh, we also were affiliated with a law firm down here that just does real estate closings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they'd be able to meet a lawyer. And, in a lot, you know, most of the time, people, if they make the decision, they're flying back. So we're able to do everything over the phone, um, you know, through email in terms of contracts and, yes. uh, and also even, you know, if they don't, if they can't make it down for the closing, uh, through power of attorneys and escrow. Got it. Now, now, now one of the reasons a lot of people like to invest in the United States is predictability, especially with the legal system. Um, what, what, what kind of recourse do you have if you go and you buy a unit in Panama and, you know, if something goes sideways, developer doesn't perform, which we get a lot of in Miami. Um, anything you can offer in terms of insight to, to, uh, maybe any questions people might have, uh, who are listening yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, first, first and foremost is, you know, you've got to do your research on who's the developer, what's their track record. Uh, there are, you know, there are a lot of developers out there, but there's only a few, you know, I would say probably a handful, five or six that are, have a long track record and that have done, got it. you know, 10 to 30 buildings. And uh, that's the first most important thing, you know, being in the U S you've got lots of consumer protection outside the U S it's not that common to have those kind of same protections. So, um, you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to get caught up in some sort of a legal, legal issue anywhere. And, um, but I haven't, you know, I really haven't seen, have not been, uh, there have not been any buildings, for example, that started construction, didn't finish. 
Uh, yeah. There were there were some in the 2009 area that were going to get built and uh, never started, but for the most part, they do get built. Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, that that's definitely good to know. Um, one of the things that amazed me, I re- I'll never forget that ride from the airport uh, to my hotel. And, and what's the main main uh, street that's right th- right there on the water? And, uh, there's there's, Ave- there's Avenue to Balboa. Um, that's it. Okay. Balboa. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I'll never I'll never forget coming on uh, coming from the airport in my Uber that uh, the architecture. I mean, you want to talk about some designs. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking Spanish Mediterranean style. We're talking modern Dubai-esque type of designs, Miami-esque, probably even better than Miami, some of the designs. Yeah, I mean, there's a, you've got, we've got a building, I think it's called, a, what's called the Revolution Tower. It's an office building that just, I mean, it's just a spire that just spins and spins. It's kind of cool. Uh, the, uh, which, which is now the JW Marriott. Is a, it's, it's like the one in Dubai, the Burj Al Arab with the curve. Um, but you've got, yes. you know, you've got a lot of, uh, a lot of really, really tall buildings and lots of cool architecture. Nice, nice. Now, any any idiosyncrasies about um, maybe buying a condo in Panama? Like, like I said, I mentioned the maids' quarters, but anything else that maybe somebody from North America wouldn't necessarily uh, suspect or expect? Uh, you know, when you go down to Panama and you and you possibly look at uh, you know purchasing something. Yeah, I mean, you you know, one thing that people definitely uh, don't expect is like I was mentioning about the balconies, uh, you know, they'll, they'll throw in, you know, sometimes even the air conditioning rooms, uh, you know, you got to be real careful at what is the real square footage you're getting. Uh, yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and also, um, also it's important to check out, you know, what are the common areas because not all buildings are built the same and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they might look great on the inside, but you gotta, you want to see what's happening in all the rest of the uh, rest of the building and how long it's been there. And, uh, but, you know, for the most part, it's, you know, it's, it's similar, uh, very similar. And, uh, you know, you do, you do need to get your own appliances in a lot of cases and lighting, but, uh, but no, it's, it's similar. And, and that raises an interesting question. Like I've been, I was in Colombia in Colombia, your electricity bill is based on the neighborhood you live in. Uh-huh. So if you're living in a wealthier neighborhood, you're, you're paying, paying more. higher, um, yeah, you're paying more than somebody living in a poorer neighborhood. How, how does it work with utilities in, in Panama? Any insight you can offer there? Yeah, I mean, they're actually, they have a similar, similar kind of deal here. Um, I don't know how drastic it is, but yeah, in, in, the, in the nicer areas, uh, they do, you do pay a little bit more. Um, you know, some, I would say a normal two-bedroom, that's, uh, you know, you're going to have normal, normal usage of your electricity. You're probably looking at 150 to $200 a month. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So it'd be very comfortable to probably uh, what you're paying in Miami. And again, no, but, but you're dollarized rather than using a. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is a big, big plus. You don't have to deal with any sort of, you know, currency exchange at all. Nice. Nice. Well, well, Jeff, I don't know if you can believe this, but we've actually reached this, uh, the end of our second segment. So I want to ask you about what's going on in the marketplace. I want to get some market conditions from you now that we have a real good understanding about the Panama market, as well as what you and your firm do. So um, uh, let's take a break here. And on the other side, we're going to ask Jeff to sort of give us some idea of what's really going on uh, real time right now in Panama, as well as what he anticipates in the future. You listen to Kind of Vultures podcast. Challenging times for real estate calls for experts that help you to navigate the new normal in the process of buying or selling property in South Florida. At CBR Realty, we listen carefully and advise based on stats, local knowledge, and experience. For more information, call us at 305-865-5859 or visit our website, cbrrealty.com. Welcome back to the Kind of Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. This is segment three of our podcast. We're having a very insightful discussion with Jeff Barton. Jeff is the managing director of Punta Pacifica Realty. He's based down there in Panama City. 
basically been down there for I think what was it, Jeff? Thirteen years, fourteen years. Yeah, coming on. There? Yeah, thirteen years now. Amazingly, <laughs> that's that's amazing. After doing uh, what three, four, five years in in Miami, so the per- perfect transition. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a great ride, and uh, it was a, a nice transition coming from Michigan to Miami. People go, how the hell did you end up in Panama? But here I am. <laughs> exactly. Now, now, Jeff, you and I, uh, we, we were having a conversation during the break, and um, you actually spent some time out in Dubai, correct? You were selling, uh, selling condos out that way? Yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was down here, when I was working on the, the Trump Ocean Club development, uh, you know, they wanted us to, to promote Panama, and I was, I was sent, not just, yeah, I sent to Dubai a few times, one time I was there for too long. I remember being, it was hot as hell, three weeks. I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we spent time out there. I mean, and, and at that point, that's also when Dubai was, was rocking. And, uh, you know, the prices here for them were a joke. So I, mean, I remember there, yeah. there were 25-year-old kids that were buying three or four apartments, you know, at, you know, 200, 250 a pop. And uh, they were just, you know, I was running around signing contracts. I think I came out on one trip with like 20 sales and uh, wow and then yeah then they kept sending me then went they took sending me to south africa argentina china a few times london just uh just all over uh just trying to promote panama and, and everywhere i went we were able to sell so it was, it was good a lot of fun that that's fantastic and what did you th- personally think of uh dubai <laughs> well i i was it was it's very impressive uh it's just it's just amazing though you you after being there for a little bit you realize it's just a desert and then you just have all these buildings here um, but the architecture is phenomenal uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a hell of a place. I, I don't think I could live there, but I really I had, a, I had a nice time. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting story. I spoke to somebody who was, uh, who was working in uh, Dubai. They were selling condos. They were actually based out there. And uh, what they told me is when the market crashed during the Great Recession, when Lehman Brothers failed, troubled asset relief program, all that type of stuff, when all hell broke loose, uh, there's debtor's prison. So guys who had leased cars yep. and suddenly they had no cash coming in, they drove to the airport, they left their car there, got on a plane, and at the end of the day in Dubai, there were all these cars with effectively no keys, or maybe some people left their keys, and uh, the, the country didn't know what the hell to do with all the cars. So yeah. that, that's what I heard, true or false, I don't know. No, I think it's true. I heard, I heard the same, and yeah, I know that if you bounce a check out there, you're, you're going right to jail, and it's a, it's a whole different kind of place, <laughs> but it was, it was yes. fun. But but I would recommend if if uh, if if anybody's not been to Dubai yet, once we can travel again, it's a great place to go. One of my favorite airlines in the world is Emirates, for sure. Which is just you know the the two story. What is it? A three eighty, just Airbus, just fantastic all the way around. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a good good airline. I had the chance to be in the first class for about ten minutes before I kicked out, and it was quite an experience. <laughs> <laughs> and first class, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's one where you go up on the second floor. Yeah, and everybody has like their private suite. Yeah, they have they have business class, and then the next one is first class. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. Uh, back in the day, back in the day. Well, wh- wh- why don't we talk a little bit about what's going on now? So, so you you um, you focus on luxury. Uh, you, you know what's going on there. Can can you give people an idea about the the luxury market in Panama? Really, sort of some of the sweet spots you see, some of the opportunities maybe you see uh, that are currently available in Panama, and also too. Is this a good time to buy? Because a lot of people are sort of sitting back and trying to figure out, uh, you know, what do I do? And they're sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've, you know, uh, you know, we've been been here throughout this whole this whole COVID thing, and we're still talking to a lot of people. We were actually we're actually talking to more people now than before. I think there's a lot of people just have time on their hands on the internet and, and are calling in. But uh, there is mm-hmm. a, you know, there's a very there's a very interesting luxury uh, segment, which is, you know, either for people that want to have a second home, but uh, also for uh, for rental investment properties, because there's such a, a high number of um, you know executives and multinationals that you know are located here that want to live nice, and their budgets are 
are usually much higher than what they need to pay here in Panama. So they go for the, the nicest, nicest properties. And as I was mentioning before, I mean, there's a lot of brands that are coming in here. Um, there's a build, there's a Fendi building that's under construction. There's an Armani building. There's a, a, a U building called Hyde, which is under construction. Another one that's already built uh, by Philip Stark. And, uh, and there's, uh, there's two private islands, which are right off of the, uh, off the coast of Panama City called Ocean Reef Islands. And they have their mm -hmm. own private marina. It's, it's a lot like Fisher Island. Uh, it's pretty, pretty, pretty neat. And uh, got it. And there's, yeah, but there are opportunities with, uh, you know, right now, especially uh, with, with developers um, being, you know, we've gotten real creative with a couple of the, of the, of the top developers um, in coming up with some, some different programs to, to kind of make people feel secure. So for example, one is uh, providing a 6% interest on their deposit money. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of looked at what are, what are people, you know, what are people's gut instinct when they're, when they're saying, well, not yet. And one of the things, of course, is at this point, there's a lot of people say, I don't want to be separated from my money or I'm not sure what's going to happen when it gets out of the bank. And I'm just, yes. I'm just, I'm just hesitant. I'm just worried. Um, so, you know, you're not going to get that kind of return, 6% having your money in the bank. So the developer uh, will guarantee that until the moment you put the deposit down until you get your keys you're, you're getting 6% annual interest on your deposit money. And that's been a, definitely been a one that's gotten a lot of people's attention. Um, I see. I see. Now, now in terms of the deposit, what, what's the structure in Miami right now? Uh, 50%, it pretty much has become the norm, kind of the Latin American standard, if you will, 50% mm -hmm. down. And basically you got to come up to cl at closing uh, with the remainder and you're paying as you go based on milestones that are uh, uh, occurring with construction and other things. What, what kind of deposits to buy pre-construction in Panama? Yeah, so you were asking about uh, the, the deposits down here. You know, the, the, the standard is, is really anywhere between 30 to 40%. Uh, the developers, I think kind of like in Miami, have, uh, you know, have gotten a little more prudent that they want to see some more money down. Uh, they yep. want to make sure that those deals are going to close. Um, but so you can find, you know, some that will do 30. Uh, some are asking 50, but for the most part, 30 to 40. 30 to 40. Okay. And, uh, you know, one of the things I realized down here, uh, I realized here in Miami is uh, typically if there's a 50% deposit and the developer is getting financing, that's kind of a good way to vet the developer because if a bank's taking a look at it and at the numbers and they're going to actually finance a deal, uh, chances are the deal is probably going to go forward because, uh, you know, what you're being told is correct. You ever use that strategy or do you think that would apply in Panama? Oh, 100%. You know, 100%. Yeah. I mean, if the bank's going to you know, give the construction loan and they've got, you know, even 30, but yeah, 30, 40, 50% down. Uh, yeah, you should, you should be feeling pretty good about, uh, about the, about the building, about the delivery. Got it. Got it. Now, now obviously information's at a premium in uh, Panama because you, you're on multiple listing service, uh, which is a realtor for a database for realtors. It's not what it is in South Florida in terms of how uh, widely used it is. So can you give us an idea? What is the state of the market uh, from a condo perspective? Keeping in mind in Miami, basically we're flooded with condos. Luxury over a million dollars is is flooded times uh, under 350, which would be our lower end, more affordable uh, down here is pretty tight market because, uh, you know, there, there's not a lot uh, enough of that. So what's the market like in Panama? At the moment, it is definitely it's a, it's a buyer's market and uh, there are. You know there are deals to be had. Uh, the developers, you know, especially with everything going on with the pandemic, um, are you know are wheeling and dealing to some degree. Mm -hmm. And um, but you, you know it's interesting that on the resale market you've got a lot of you know because most of the market are cash you know have been cash buyers uh, and their their properties are rented. We're not seeing any real fire sale deals. Really, uh, I think yeah we haven't you know we haven't been seeing those. Uh, we've been you know like I said we've been getting creative with some of the developers on 
how to, you know, give, you know, 6% ROI and things like that. But we haven't seen anybody really dropping their pants. And, uh, um, but we will, we'll see what the future has in store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, is, is there a whole rash of new towers going up um, in Panama, much like we had in Miami? Or has most of the stuff already been constructed? It's all online. And now it's a matter of absorbing what was built. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some absorption that needs to happen. Uh, there are, you know, we, we went through a similar boom-bust cycle, uh, but we were a little bit delayed. So, you know, I would say after 2009, uh, the developers just stopped. You know, they didn't, there was very little new construction. Mm-hmm. And uh, it started up again in probably 2014, 2015, where developers started feeling comfortable to, to build some new towers. Um, so you'll see, I mean, at any given time, you look around, you probably see 15 to 20 buildings going up. Um, but not like in the heyday when there were 50 or 60. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And, and the type of towers that are being built um, uh, on our side here in Miami, there was a lot of the over the top types uh, with Starkitects, um, mm-hmm. with, with just insane designs uh, over the top uh, 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 common areas. What, what would you say the, the overall vibe has been this particular uh, construction cycle for Panama? Yeah, it's been it's been a little more tamed down. Um, there are there are more some some boutique buildings that are you know have really nice finishes, but they're not going as, as high this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you do have some brands coming in that are that are going to really be you know be be nice, and and those you know those man made islands I was telling you about are, are really phenomenal. So, uh, but you know, you also have you know more uh, kind of middle of the road uh, buildings that are going to have an okay lobby and an okay pool area, but you know you're gonna, they're going to be priced at you know probably half uh, per square foot maybe. You know, new new construction you'll you'll find per square foot anywhere from you know like the two twenty five mark like I was saying up to probably like five hundred at the very very top of the market. Probably at five hundred. Now now one of the phenomenons that people are talking about because of COVID is they no longer want to be in a tower in downtown Miami with five hundred units and seven hundred and fifty people and only so many elevators and you know and, and just the spread uh, uh, concern based on the pandemic. Um, are you, what's word on the street down in Panama? Is there um, People concerned about living in a high rise and, and um, I don't know, maybe you could just speak to that. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely because, yeah, we've had a real strict lockdown um, where, you know, you, you can only go out during certain days even. So uh, being able to have a yard, which, you know, normally people want to be as high as possible. Now you're seeing people that are putting offers on, you know, lower penthouses, which are, you know, on the, on the ground floor or right above the, the garage areas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, just being able to walk around. I mean, the, the islands that I keep mentioning because I'm, they're right next to me. Yeah. You know, I'm out there, you know, jogging, playing tennis. And uh, that, you know, th- we've actually, I mean, the last, uh, last month we did, we did close to 10 million in reservations out there. Wow. And, uh, you know, and uh, that was a big uptick. And a lot of it had to do with, uh, yeah, with people wanting to have some fresh air and, and uh, live a different kind of life. Yeah, and what what, what are the uh, these islands compare? You said similar to Fisher Island. Is it more like Fisher Island, or is it maybe like something out in Dubai where it's man-made islands with certain designs, or is it kind of like Brickle Key? Um, again, just to give yeah. people context. Right. Yeah. Well, I said Fisher Island just in terms of the the exclusivity side of it, uh, right. and the price point is, is is you know much higher than really anywhere else in the city. But but yeah, I mean they are they're man-made islands. They were um, they were made actually by I think the same engineering firm that built a lot of the the islands out in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's, yeah, similarities to both uh, there, but they take a bridge literally right from Panama city and yep. boom. And then, so you, so you don't have to take the ferry like in Fisher or take a helicopter, Got um, it. but they're, but yeah, they're, they're, they're special. They're very nice. Wow. It sounds like it. And, and if somebody want, was interested in one of these, um, these homes on an Island, what do you do? You buy the piece of dirt and then you have your own designer come in and, and architects, or 
or, or basically you pick out the lot and then uh, you pick out the type of architecture you want. I, can, can you talk about that? Yeah, they've got, I mean, they've got a little of, a little of both. I think between the two islands, there's like 130, 38 or 37 lots. Mm-hmm. And uh, on, on one island, it was you buy the lot and you, you build your own house. Okay. And, um, and that was totally sold out. And there's, I mean, 10, $15 million homes out there. Wow. Um, and then, which is very, very high for, you know, you're talking about 20,000 square foot homes sure. that are, you know, right in the water. And then on the second island, uh, they're doing, doing condos that are anywhere from, you know, uh, maybe 1500 square feet to 5,000 square feet. And that the developer will build that for you and finish it, or you can finish it yourself. I see. I see. I see. And they, a lot of them have their own boat slips and there's a marina with 180 slips, right? Right in the, right in between the two. I see. Um, what, what, one of the things that I would argue has really impacted the Miami luxury market is that the, the, uh, so, so our current cycle began in 13. Um, uh, as the cycle went, everybody was coming in, they were putting down all cash, they were doing their thing. And about 16 Q1, the first quarter of 16 federal government, um, put in place an order that said anybody buying with cash, million dollars or more in Miami-Dade County and Manhattan, the only two places in the country, United States. Uh, <laughs> basically, the title company had to figure out, um, and I'm not an attorney, check with your, with your legal counsel. Basically, the, the title company had to figure out who was the ultimate buyer. And it was all anti-money laundering. So Miami and Manhattan were the only two places in the United States. It's now spread and it's gone all over. Uh, I actually do some tours. I did a tour and uh, I, I mentioned the million-dollar mark for an all-cash deal in South Florida. And some, some guys said, no, 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 it's not the right number. The number's 300 grand. And I said, well, I haven't heard that. How do I, uh, you know, how do you know that? And they said, well, we work for the feds. So, um, <laughs> so, so, so the idea is that the money laundering, there's been a real crackdown in Miami on money laundering. There's been all kinds of headlines. Obviously, the feds want to make a big deal out of it. Um, can you talk about maybe somebody who doesn't really know Panama very well? Maybe the only thing they know is the Panama Papers. Uh, you know, it was a series of uh, investigations with all kinds of muckety mucks around the world, political leaders and, and so on, who were using corporations to try to uh, basically avoid taxes, if you will. So uh, wh- what do you say to somebody who says, well, you know, Panama sounds great, but every time I hear something, it's kind of like Miami. I hear about money laundering. I hear about something else. Can you uh, can you sort of talk to that as, as somebody coming from Michigan who's lived in Miami now has been in Panama and has a family in Panama for the last, uh, you know, uh, decade plus? Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Panama Papers uh, put us on the map uh, again in a, in a way that we were uh, not necessarily looking to be on there, but, uh, you know, it was the reality. And the reality is that also there was a lot of that happening, you know, down here, uh, that law firm uh, that was based out of Panama, but also I think in like 20 different cities around the world, yes. um, had a lot of Panama corporations, Seychelles, you know, all throughout the Caribbean. And, uh, you know, but it, it's a reality that there's, you know, I know, we know it's happening all over the place. And, you know, there is definitely, you know, the developers, you have to do uh, due diligence and, and source of funds in certain cases. Um, you know, we don't have, you know, so many transactions over the million dollar mark. So I think that, you know, if you're lower on the radar, yeah. uh, the banks aren't going to ask too many questions. But, um, but no, it's, it's a reality. And, you know, we're, um, you know, I, I think we're on and off all the time, uh, the gray list or the black list in, in different places in Europe, too. So it's, uh, it's a reality we have to deal with. But no, it's not, it's not a big impediment. Okay, and in terms of your 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 safety, your investment, you don't, um, you know, you, you, what what would you say about that? You personally, I mean, are you investing there? Is your family investing there? Can can you give any kind of testament uh, to people just in terms of uh, uh, about Panama? Obviously, you 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 love it and you and you agree with it because you've been there for so long. Sure, you know, I mean, from an investment st- standpoint, uh, the way the way that deals are structured are, are very secure. 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't know of, I've, I've never even been involved in a deal that, uh, you know, there was any sort of title issue just have yep. never happened. And I've been involved in, you know, I don't, I know, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of sales. So, uh, you know, it's, it's put, it's set up in a way that is very investor friendly, uh, very secure. Of course, you want to have a, you know, a lawyer that, you know, is going to be trustworthy and you want to make sure you're using the right kind of escrow system or, yes. or banking system. But, um, but no, I mean, for the most part, it's, it's really straightforward. Got it. Got it. Got it. You know, I've, I've, um, uh, I've worked some with some, some clients and, uh, one of the things that comes up is rising sea levels, but you know, oh my God, I'm not going to buy a condo in Miami cause there's rising sea levels. And I ask them, I say, are you really going to still going to be in this condo by the time the seas rise or, <laughs> you know, are you going to, are you still going to be living at that point uh, effectively? So, so I guess the point I'm making is you can always come up with a reason as to why not, uh, right. uh, it's those who decide to pull the trigger and do something. Those tend to be the ones who uh, everybody tells stories about because they're the ones who did something where everyone else said, no, 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 no. Generally speaking. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So um, we, we, we talked about the product down there. We talked about the uh, situation. You say it's, it, it's a buyer's market. Now, what I wanted to clarify on the, on the buyer's market side, is that a buyer's market because people aren't coming into town due to COVID or is it a buyer's market because they're simply, uh, too much supply and not enough uh, 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 purchases. Well, definitely, definitely on the you know definitely on the COVID side, uh, it's it's made it more of a buyer's market. Um, okay. Also, just uh, you know there is there has been a an oversupply, so there there are deals we picked off um, and. You know, but it, yeah, it's, it was it was pre-COVID. It's been uh, prices have been have been flat after uh, a decline. I mean, you had when I first got down here, um, you know, you had some people that bought you know two bedroom condos for six hundred thousand dollars, ended up selling them for four fifty. Wow. And uh, you know, so there were people that took you know when when it was peaking here that took big losses. And now I do uh, you know I think the rest of twenty twenty you know especially because of the pandemic is going to be uh, is going to be tough. And, yep. um, but I think, you know, once the, you know, our airport is closed and we need foreign, foreign buyers to come in so with the airport closed, it's hard yes. to do a lot. Um, but as that opens and things start normalizing the vaccine, and uh, I think that there's going to be a big uptick in 2021. That's what I'm hoping for. Oh, that, 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 that's very, very, very interesting. Um, Jeff, people want to get a hold of you. Um, what's the best way for them to, to, uh, to reach you? I know you've mentioned your telephone number, you mentioned your, um, your email address earlier. Could you repeat that? And again, uh, what about a website? Sure. Yeah. So our website is uh, Punta Pacifica Realty.com. And that's also my email, which is Jeff at Punta Pacifica Realty.com. That's P U N T A P A C I F I C A Realty, R E A L T Y. And, uh, and I can be reached on WhatsApp um, or, or direct phone call, country code 507-6673-7810. So uh, Got it. And, and just, Google me. just Google me, Jeff Barton, Panama, and you'll, you'll find me as well. Okay. And if somebody does want to come down and visit, uh, can you give me an idea, ballpark? Uh, you know, obviously, once the COVID has sort of uh, gotten under control, what, 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 how much time do they need and um, how much should they uh, budget? Now, I'm not talking about going crazy. I'm talking about going down there and have a nice experience. What kind of budget? Uh, think, think maybe like they're going to, to Vegas. Is it like a three-day, four-day, five-day visit if they're coming from North America? And about how much do they need per day? Just, just to give them context. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I normally tell people to, to try to get here for at least a week um, because okay. you've got, you've got Panama City, but then right outside of Panama City, you can go to beautiful islands, you can be in the mountains, the beaches. So it's nice to get out of the city and, and do some, do some relaxing and exploring. And with a week, you can definitely do that. And uh, you know, budget-wise, 
you know, you can be in a four to five star hotel for, you know, a couple hundred dollars a, a night and, and, you know, whatever you're going to spend, you know, I, but I would say, you know, four or $500 a day. Four to, okay. Yeah. Four to five. So, so your week, you're okay. Got it. So $3,500 or so. And that would probably be for a couple. That would be for a couple. Yeah. And that would be if you wanted to have a, you know, real high end experience and uh, obviously you can take it, take it down from there. Got it, got it, got it. And then uh, I guess the finally the last question about coming to visit. Uh, sometimes developers will throw out offers where if you come down, you actually buy something. We're going to apply your cost towards uh, the purchase price. Any any Panamanian developers doing that at at, at this time? Yeah, there are. There are a couple uh, actually that we work with that we have um, you know master brokerage relationships with that will do fly and buys. So uh, okay. you know you 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 come down uh, and uh, you know you're, you come down for vacation, but if you want to check out the property and if you end up. Uh, deciding to do something uh, now or, or or later, then they'll credit credit back your hotel stay and also your your flight costs. So uh, it works out pretty well. Got it, got it. And then finally, any word on when they might actually open up the uh, the airport for passenger uh, travel? Well, actually, so yesterday they announced that Copa is going to start um, some very very limited uh, flights uh, for residents. So, that, uh, but it's going in the right direction uh, later this month. So actually in the next week or two and uh, understanding is that on the, I think it's the 22nd of August, uh, the airport will open, but we've heard that before. It's always 30 days more. So we'll, we'll see, but we're hoping, you know, definitely by September to be, to be going, if not by October. Fantastic. That's Jeff Barton. Jeff is managing director of Punta Pacifica Realty. He's out in Panama city, Panama, uh, provided some great insight, was able to compare and contrast uh, sort of how it is in the United States to how it is in Panama the guy believes in the area. He's been living down there about 13 years. He's got a family. It's all sort of going forward. And uh, I would encourage you to do some research on Panama. I'd encourage you to reach out to Jeff. Jeff, uh, you don't mind if somebody uh, WhatsApps you or, no. or maybe gives you a call, sends you an email. I love it. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to talking to anybody that's uh, that's on this that uh, wants to get some more info on Panama. And yeah, Peter, it's you know it's really been a been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. The only thing I'm disappointed in, you didn't curse. What the hell? Uh, what the <laughs> fuck? I guess I got to start working on that. Uh. <laughs> There we go. This is the Kind of right. Walters Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. Be sure to touch, uh, check in on Tuesday. We're going to have a roundtable. We bring together current and former journalists. We talk about the biggest headlines that have occurred within the last week. And if the following Thursday, we're going to have another guest interview. Um, somebody just as interesting. Maybe not as interesting, but somebody definitely interesting, just like Jeff was. So thanks for tuning in, and be sure to uh, check out the rest of our podcast. And be sure to subscribe and leave us a comment if you like what we're doing. Thank you.